Amen. 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 Well, so good to be with you guys. Welcome to Faith Church, where with Jesus you are. Amen. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I know it's been a while since I've been here. My name's Brandon. My beautiful wife and I, Judy, have the amazing privilege of serving as the campus pastors at our Wilkett campus. Uh, but we're so elated. Come on. So, so elated. And excited to be with you here this morning. So I just want to welcome all those that are joining us online. Also want to welcome our Wilkie campus that's actually joining us as well. Miss you guys. I'll see you on Wednesday for discipleship class, but glad that you are here with us in the house of God. Um, Pastor Frank, he sends his love. He was feeling a little under the weather, a little under the weather. And so uh, please keep our pastor lifted up. Can we just give our pastors honor even in their absence, Pastors Frank? And Lisa Santora, Pastor, we're praying for you if you're watching. Also, for anyone else that may be watching, I believe, like Romans 8, 11 says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, how shall he not also with that same spirit give life to our mortal body? If you don't know me, like I, like I love to talk about God's word. His word is like shut up in my bones. It's like fire. I don't know that I would be standing here without God's word because I know it's true and I know he's faithful. But let me not get ahead of myself. Let us go on and dive into the word. Uh, But I'm so glad to be with you. Um, Let's go on and take our Bibles out. And we're going to make our Bible confession. If you're in need of a paper Bible, just raise your hand and our amazing ushers will assist you. Um, I, I, I also want to say just how grateful and thankful I am for what the Lord is doing in our youth ministry. My kids actually go to the youth. So Pastor Joey, Brianna, all of your team, what a mighty work the Lord is doing in these young people. Come on, somebody. Yes, God is good. God is good. We're going to take your Bibles out. Let's make our Bible confession. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Amen. My assignment... Today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 39. And we are continuing in our series, Unhindered. Haven't you enjoyed this teaching and this series that we've been in? Pastor Frank has been uh, bringing forth some revelation, and we've been enjoying it there at the Wilkett campus. Um, But let's go to Genesis, chapter 39, beginning with verse 1. If you want to follow along exactly, I'm reading in the New King James Version. Genesis chapter 39, beginning with verse 1. If you got it, say, I got it. If you need some more time, say, hold on. All right. Let's read it. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Somebody say, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was successful because the Lord was with him. He was successful because he established a relationship with the CEO of the universe. He was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, because he was a slave. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. See, people, you got to understand, when a man's ways please the Lord, the scriptures tell us he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Come on. So Joseph found favor... In his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had 
except for the bread which he ate. Mm. Now Joseph was handsome. Come on. In form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I want to make note of that. He was not talking to himself. He was talking to his temptation. So it was as she, mm, come on. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. I'm talking to somebody. But it happened about this time. When Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Are you still with me? So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, did not kill him, but put him into the prison. Is it possible because of his reputation and because of the anointing on his life, even though Potiphar was upset and angry, I'm still perplexed about what to do. In fact, I don't know what to do except just put him in prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. Come on, somebody. But verse 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. I want to speak to you guys for a few moments from the subject matter, weapons of our warfare. Weapons of our warfare. I have an inclination that some of you in here maybe have come to a place where your natural physical weapons are not working. They aren't getting you anywhere, but it is time to employ the spiritual weapons, the weapons of your warfare to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So God is calling you to assume your command to speak what the Lord has put on the inside of you and to call those things that be not as though they were. I feel like ministering to you this morning. 
Let us pray. Father, I thank you that the flower fades, the grass withers, but your word shall stand forever. I thank you, Father, that you are here with us, that you are here, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, even those that are watching. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use me as your servant. I confess as always, Father, there is no way I can do this without you. Use me as your servant and minister to every single person in this room as you see fit. It is yours. Have your way in Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As we continue in this series unhindered, I couldn't help but but be drawn to the life of Joseph. It's very intriguing to me as a man, but I hope not just to us as men, but also women as well and everyone here in this room. If anyone could have lived a life Hindered by circumstances, I'm sure Joseph qualifies. He was loved by his father more so than any of his siblings, which by the way, a side note, you have to be careful how you tend to each one of your children and try not to show personal favoritism towards one versus the other because you can create a jealousy and angst within the home that doesn't need to be there. Are you with me? May the Lord give us wisdom in that area. But with his youthful enthusiasm, the Bible says he revealed a dream to his family that in essence predicted his brothers, his father, and his mother bowing down down to him in the future. This was the fuel to the fire that led to his brother's hatred and eventually caused them to conceive a plan to sell Joseph into slavery rather than killing him. Are you with me? After being sold in slavery to the Ishmaelites, they in turn sold Joseph to Potiphar. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, and he was a captain of the guard. Then we enter our main text. In this text, and even after, we discover some weapons, some weapons utilized by Joseph to fight through his trials. Are any of you right now going through some trials in your life? Amen. You're going to discover some weapons that you have at your disposal. Because I am convinced, God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. There is a knowledge that God wants us to gain in his word so that we can be victorious in this fight of faith that we're wrestling in. Are you with me? Before we unpack these weapons... I want to bring to your attention a familiar passage of scripture that is often used when it comes to spiritual warfare. And it is found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. And it reads, the apostle Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Mm. Even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I love this one. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. To give you some context to this scripture, in the book of Corinth, the Corinthian believers were questioning the character and the integrity of the Apostle Paul. Because he was sent on a mission to various regions to preach the gospel, oftentimes he would go into a region and he would minister, reasoning in the synagogue, using the law and the prophets to bring people into a relationship with Christ. But because of the calling that was on his life, and also because of the persecutions that he was facing, he would oftentimes have to leave an area prematurely before he had an opportunity to establish that church. But because of his love for the church and because of his love for these individuals that he grew fond of, he would oftentimes send Timothy and other aides or assistants to go and check on the church to see how it was doing. But because of the time gap and because they didn't have access to email and they didn't have text messages and they didn't have the United States Postal Service, come on somebody, it took time. 
to get messages across. And in that span of time, when there was no answers to their questions, the enemy would send in false prophets to try to discredit his ministry. Are you with me? And they would spread lies and rumors and they would talk about Paul so much so that he felt that they were susceptible to their lies and could be on the verge of walking away from their faith. And so he encouraged them with this scripture. The reason why I share this with you, because I have no doubt in my mind that Joseph in his hour of trial was wrestling against the lies of the enemy. The Lord is not with you. The Lord has abandoned you. God is not your anchor. God is not your rock. Look at what you've been through. Look at all the promises that have been made to you and none of them have come into fulfillment because you do realize that Joseph had promises that went before him. One of the promises that went before him was the promise that God made to Abraham that in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Whoever he blessed would be blessed. Whoever cursed him would be cursed. And through him, the kingdom of God would advance. And Joseph understood this. He was also loved by his father. So much so that his father gave him a coat of many colors. So Joseph had stories and testimonies that he heard about this God who delivered his people and also brought about mighty things in their lives. Are you with me? So as we dive into this text, this brings me to my first point. As we discover the weapons that God has given us at our disposal to fight off trials and to live an unhindered life. Point number one, the fear of the Lord is a weapon we must possess to live an unhindered life. Let me say this again. The fear of the Lord is a weapon we must possess to live an unhindered life. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know what's amazing to me is when I look at Genesis chapter 37 verse 2, we discover that Joseph was 17 years old when he received a dream about his future state. Don't tell me that you're too young to follow God's ways. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You're not too young to serve the Lord. And also, if you just gave your life to Christ, you're not too young to do things for the Lord. Because when I look in the scriptures, I think about the woman who was at the well. She didn't have a seminary degree. She didn't know the Bible frontwards and backwards. But what she had was a testimony. I know a man that told me everything that I ever did. And that was sufficient enough to bring a whole town to Jesus. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. But when he was 17 years old, he received this dream. But as I began to meditate on this verse, something stood out to me that was hard for me to overlook. From Genesis 37.2 to chapter 39, there is little mentioned about the development of Joseph as a man. Because we do realize that all of us have seasons of development. When God is crafting us and molding us to be a man, to be a woman made in his image. Are you with me? Some of you guys may be in that season right now and it may feel like a wilderness experience, but there is a lot that God is depositing on the inside of you that you're not even aware of. Are you with me? The scriptures tell us that even though my outward man is perishing, my inward man is being renewed day by day. For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Are you with me? So there was obviously some sort of development that was going on in Joseph's life because the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master. One commentary that I read that shed some light on this says this phrase indicates that God cared for, he protected, and he blessed Joseph. You know, as I was thinking about this, Joseph was in the Old Testament. This was under an old covenant. Exodus had not even come into view yet, so he didn't have the testimony of the Israelites passing through the Red Sea. He also didn't have at his disposal a resurrection Lord like we do. He also didn't have the fruit of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit coming to live and dwell on the inside of us and to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person, but depending on that person's behavior and submission to God, the Holy Spirit could leave that person. Are you with me? 
This is why the psalmist said, David said, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me when he sinned with Bathsheba. That is not a prayer that you pray in the New Testament. Because in Ephesians, the Bible says that I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of God and he dwells on the inside of me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, one of the greatest tenets of the fear of the Lord is recognizing God's presence is always with me. It's taking God seriously. It's recognizing that no matter where I go, no matter what sphere of influence the Lord may put me in, no matter what the setting, God, you were with me. You were, you were with me as a salesman when I go into this sales call and offer up an estimate. You were with me when I go into this, um, um, university and I seek to accomplish this degree. You were with me in the parenting of my child. You were with me as I go through this pregnancy. You were with me through postpartum. You were with me in every stage of my life. Are you with me? He is with us. But Joseph, he had the promise and he had the testimony of what his ancestors went through. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had the testimony of what Abraham went through on the mountain with his son Isaac. He also had the testimony because Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He also had the testimony of Jacob wrestling with God all day and all, I mean all night and God changing his name from Israel to Joseph. These testimonies were sufficient enough to give him the encouragement that he needed. Because my Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, even though he didn't experience experience what we've experienced in the New Testament, he knew that it was on the horizon. How did he know that it was on the horizon? Because he heard the testimony of when Abraham met a man by the name of Melchizedek. And this Melchizedek was a shadow and type of Christ, so much so that when Abraham was returning from the slaughter, he paid tithes unto this Melchizedek, even though tithing was not even established as a law. Are you with me? So he understood He had the testimony. He had the inner witness of what his ancestors went through. And it produced in him, there was a zeal and there was a fervency that he had for God. A genuine fear of the Lord. Another indication that he understood the fear of the Lord is in the verses that we read and in his temptation and his trial. How was he able to resist temptation with so much conviction, with so much passion? Because he knew that his God was with him. See, when you understand that God is with you, you can quote scriptures like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation shall overtake you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. Are you with me this morning? See, sometimes you got to be willing to speak. You got to be willing to open up your mouth because life and death is, is in what? In the power of your tongue. Are you with me? Just yesterday, we had a men's meeting at our Wilka campus. And let me say this. I see a mighty army of men that are being raised up to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. Not just at our Wilkie campus, but here at New Milford. And really and truly, all across the world, men are being raised up. God's army to do great kingdom exploits for his name. Amen? Something that I've been coming into a revelation about, and I'm just going to say this as a side note. I was a youth pastor for uh, probably over 15 years, 10 to 15 years. And something that was clearly evident was the absence of a father and the damage that an absence of a father causes. I would go as far as to say fatherlessness is an epidemic. When a father is not present, or when a father does not assume his responsibilities and his role as a kingdom man in the home, we see the catastrophe that follows. And I know these, we know the stats, we know the statistics, and as a man myself, can, can, can we be honest men? Sometimes men, can we do anything right? I feel like all this weight and responsibility is placed upon us. But may I share this with you? If all that devastation and catastrophe is caused by you being absent, Just imagine when you take your place. Just imagine when you discover that there is a king on the inside of me, that when I walk in this home, I have the power to change the trajectory of this atmosphere in my home. I have the power to change my spouse. I have the power to change my kids. I have the power to change my atmosphere. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
So I challenge you men in this place to walk in the fear of the Lord, to have a fervency from him because God wants to use you. God wants to use you to usher in his presence in the earth. And you know what? Even though the mirror may have been cracked for you, you can be an accurate mirror of God to your kids. Even though you may not have observed what it means to be a godly man, similar to I, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to read books. I'm going to get into God's word. I'm going to seek for men that I can submit to, that can speak into my life so that I can become who my father never was. Are you with me? But in our men's gathering, we've been going through a teaching by Dr. Tony Evans. And it's about what it means to be a kingdom man. The topic was about the fear of the Lord. And a scripture came forth that I honestly overlooked. Maybe I've read this scripture before, but it meant a lot to me as Tony Evans brought this forth. In Proverbs 128, verse 1 through 2, it says, blessed. Somebody say, blessed. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, not your way, not my way, not putting myself on the throne, but when I walk in your ways, my life is blessed. What does that mean? uh, He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Am I trying to walk in my way and shack up and live together before we get married or am I doing it God's way? The Bible says in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the palm of the Lord's hands. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Am I trying to climb the corporate ladder by tooting my own horn or trying to make myself known to the boss? Or am I trusting that God sees me because I fear him and I reverence him and he will exalt me in due time? Am I talking to somebody? Even though I may not have had the tutelage and the training, As a son myself, how can I impart unto my own sons, unto my own children? When I'm submitted to him, he'll show me. If I lack wisdom, he'll give it to me. Even though I didn't know how to handle finances or I didn't know anything about investing or saving or setting a budget, Lord, I'm going to put these practices in place because your word will give me the instruction that I need. Are you with me? But by this scripture... He says, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Let me say that again. Blessed blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. How many of you want to be happy? Come on, somebody. We have enough to deal with in this life. Can I get a little bit of happiness or more so can I get some joy? Because happiness is based on what's happening and it doesn't matter what's happening. The joy that I receive comes from the Lord and it's a joy that the world cannot take away. It's a joy that circumstances cannot take away. All hell could be breaking loose, but I have joy. And quite frankly, all hell was breaking loose for Joseph. But because he knew that his God was with him, it gave him an inner trust and confidence. I'm going to get through this. And he had the promise and he had the testimony of his ancestors to prove if God was there for them, I know that he'll be here for me as well. I know that he's faithful. Even though blessings follow a person who fears the Lord, that doesn't mean that that absolves you of trials. Even though the blessings of the Lord follow a person who fears him, who reverences him. And by the way, when it talks about fearing the Lord, it's taking God seriously. Having a reverence from him, having an awe, recognizing his presence in your life. There might be a young man in this place, I feel led to say this, you're uncertain about your future. You're uncertain about what you're going to do when you graduate from college. Fear the Lord and the Lord will reveal his plan for your life. There may be somebody here you're contemplating whether I should take this job, whether I should move my family. This is for somebody either here or online, whether I should move my family across country, but fear the Lord and the wisdom will be supplied to you. Because the Bible teaches us in James, the writer says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. Count it all joy when you go through various trials. Why should I count it all joy? That's not a natural response. Can I get an amen? <laughs> when we're hit with the trial, our natural response is not to be joyful. 
And if we can be honest with ourselves, sometimes this is when we can pull away from God instead of pulling towards God. But if we understand the word of God, I understand to count it all joy when I go through various trials. Why? Because the testing of my faith produces patience. The testing of my faith produces patience. Well, why do I need patience? I need patience to know that God is working this out. I need patience to know that seeds have been sown into the ground and they've been watered and it's only going to be a matter of time before a tree springs forth and fruit comes off of that tree. I have to be willing to be patient. I know that this too shall pass through every temptation through every trial, through every setback. And I have a sneaky suspicion, a lot of you in this room, you have seen the Lord work in your life, but for some reason there is a case of amnesia that has come over you and you have forgotten that God has brought you through. That he's healed you, that he set you free, that he's brought you through many trials. Something that I just want to interject in this moment is Pastor Rich and Ross, my brother and sister in Christ, what these two went through during COVID and what they faced, I know that was strength enough to get them through every trial. I can remember talking to my brother during that season and it brought us closer together as brother and brother because the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so another brother sharpens another brother. Men, can I just minister to you for a second? You need men in your life. And you need to submit to authority because if you're not willing to submit yourself to authority, you can't operate in authority. And Jesus taught us this himself. He said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Men, we have to get to a place where we can be vulnerable. We have to get to a place where we can be transparent, where we can open up about things that are going on in our life. Somebody that exemplified this was David. David was not perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that David was valiant in in battle. He didn't lose his tenacity. He didn't lose his grit. He didn't lose his rocky (laughs) attitude. Because the Bible says when he was coming up against Goliath, some of you know the story, he cut off Goliath's head with his own sword and held it. Can you get the picture? It's a little nasty. But can you get the picture? He's holding his head. But then in another space, he can be crying out to the Lord. He can be vulnerable. He can worship. Don't worry about who's to your left or to your right. When worship is going on in this house, worship God with your heart. I'm not telling you how to worship, but make sure you're connecting. Because God wants to do something on the inside of you. And and for the ladies in the house, which oftentimes always hold down the fort, you guys are willing to go in and, and, and just go after God with all of your heart. But can I just say, it's time for us as men to go after God with all of our heart as well. And I believe that there are some women that are waiting on men of God to take their place. They're waiting on men to stand up and to take their place and to be all that God has called them to be. I don't know why I'm feeling led to go in that direction, speaking to the men. But I just see the Lord doing something in your hearts. And I want to encourage you, there is power on the inside of you. You are a mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor, and God is not finished with you yet. You may have made some mistakes, maybe you weren't present in the past, but do whatever you can to be involved in those kids' lives. Because as somebody who came from a family where my mom and dad divorced when I was three, I wanted my dad to pursue me. I wanted my dad to be in my basketball games. I wanted my dad to be involved. And I've met a lot of young men at our Wilkie campus, and maybe you're watching here, whose moms have prevented them from being involved in their kids' lives for various reasons. But despite the circumstances, fight for that child because when they get older, they will recognize that you love them and that you are willing to pursue them even though you were prevented from doing so. That was for somebody. Amen. Something that we must never forget is the fact that Joseph was living under an old covenant. Not only do we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, but he also intercedes for us on a daily basis. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has established a new covenant for us to walk in. Bottom line is the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously. Which brings me to my second point. And this is probably the one that gets me excited and one that I want to be transparent with you because this is how I have fought my battles. 
Point number two, speaking to your temptation is a reminder weapon, not just for you, but for the devil. Let me say that again. Speaking to your temptation is a reminder weapon, not just for you, but for the devil as well. I don't know if you caught this. I did pause to try to highlight it. But when Joseph was being tempted by Potiphar's wife, he spoke to her. He opened his mouth. One of the mistakes that we can make is when we are faced with temptation, and all of us are faced with temptation. Can everybody agree? All of us face temptation. Whether it's to lash out on somebody, whether it's to drink alcohol, whether it's looking at porn, whether it's this, whether it's that. There's so many things that all of us can be tempted by. But one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is when you are tempted to not say anything. I had to learn this the hard way. But I learned something from Joseph. When Joseph spoke to Potiphar's wife, and I want to go back there and I want to look at it. Really quick, if we can go back to that scripture. In verse 8, it says, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. But because you are his wife... How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph understood something even without the benefit of what we now have in the new covenant, a new dispensation of grace, and that is you got to speak to your temptation. You got to open up your mouth because life and death is in what? The power of your tongue. In fact, Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be. That goes forth from my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish what I please and prosper for the thing in which I've sinned. You got to get God's word on the inside of you. And you got to begin to declare what God's word says. It's interesting that he reminded Potiphar's wife of the favor that was on his life. He reminded her because keep in mind, they serve many gods. So she didn't really understand or have an understanding of the Israelites God, the God of the heavens and of the whole earth. She didn't know who he was. So Joseph wanted to make it abundantly clear, you may not understand why I'm resisting you, but I serve a higher power. And I am choosing not to live below my inheritance, but I'm choosing to live in line with my inheritance. Because when I recognize what has been given to me or what is purchased for me to possess, I don't have time for this nonsense. Because when you realize in the New Testament, your position, you won't allow your current condition to get the best of you. And whenever I have allowed my condition to override my position, that's where the problem lies. And I have to go back to Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 and understand my identity as a new born again believer in Christ. Am I talking to somebody? In my own life, there have been times... When I have been tempted, and that may be a newsflash for some of you, I don't want you to think for a moment, just because we are pastors and just because I'm up here speaking, that I don't have temptations just like you do, I do. But there are things that I have learned over the years through men of God and through the word of God, there are boundaries that I must set in my life. All of us know our limits. Or maybe we need to be reminded of those limits. All of us know if I get to this place, this spot, this place in the argument, this place in the temptation, there is a point of no return. I'm going to become somebody that I despise. Am I talking to somebody? You know what your limits are. I know what my limits are. I know what my struggles are and what they were. So I know that there are boundaries that have to be set in my life and I can't put confidence in my flesh. You may have been saved for so many years, know the Bible from front to back, but that doesn't negate the fact of using common sense sometimes. Mm. Come on. One of the scriptures that the Lord spoke to me, similar to how Joseph spoke to Potiphar's wife, is Proverbs 9.17. Listen to this. Stolen water is sweet, 
and bread eaten in, in, <clears throat> in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. <sighs> Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. There is something alluring and there is something enticing about wanting something that is not rightfully yours. There is a allurement. There is a certain temptation about the catch and the game, but what the writer of Proverbs is trying to teach us, it may seem pleasant and may seem enjoyable. It may satisfy for the moment, but in the end, her guests are in the depths of hell. Am I talking to somebody? You got to get to a place of realizing, I know the reward and the reward that awaits me is greater than the temptation in front of me. Because my word, the Bible says in James, blessed be the man who endures temptation. Blessed be the man who endures temptation. And when we are tempted, we got to be careful not to assume that the temptation is coming from God. Because the word of God will teach you very clearly, temptation does not come from God. Temptation, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt any man. But each man is drawn, drawn away by his what? By his own lust and desires. Lord, help me to rid myself of these desires because as long as the enemy sees this as a foothold in my life, he's going to continue to pull on that string. And one thing that I learned from Jesus is there was nothing within him that Jesus, that uh, the devil could use to draw him away from God. He was so committed to his father. The second scripture, something that I say all the time, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. When I'm confronted with something or I see the enemy trying to get me to go awry or to go down a rabbit trail in my mind or to look at something that I shouldn't be looking at, the devil is a liar. That's not who I am anymore. And when I look at the scriptures, this comes from John chapter 8. Jesus was having a discussion with religious leaders and he told them that they were of their father, the devil. And they said that the devil is a liar and he always has been a liar and he can only speak from his own resources. So if the enemy tells you you can't do something, you speak back to him, the devil is a liar. Now I have proof that I can because your word is a lie. Maybe you didn't catch that. If the enemy says you cannot do something and it is the devil that is speaking to you, you can take him at his word because he is a liar and the father of lies. I will accomplish this because your nature is you are a liar. And he is a liar, so you got to speak back to him. The devil is a liar. One of the other scriptures is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. When your child is acting a fool... <laughs> And they are coming against you with all of their might. And you are saying to yourself, where did this joker come from? Why are you coming at me like this? The devil is a liar. Get back. Even Jesus had to speak to Peter in a moment. Get behind me, Satan. Because what he was saying was not indicative of God's plan. So he had to speak to the temptation, speak to the influence. Get behind me. Sometimes you got to say to your child, get behind me. Sometimes you got to speak to your situation. Get behind me. The devil is a liar. I will overcome. I will get through college. The devil is a liar. I will be a good father. I will be a good mother. I will overcome even though I've had this child and I'm struggling with postpartum depression. I will get through this in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says anxiety in the heart causes depression, but a good word will drive it out. I'm going to continue to speak God's word. I'm going to continue to declare, and I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Mm. So Joseph recognized the favor of God in his life and was not ashamed to confess. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Do you honestly believe that you are standing here today clothed in your right mind because of your wit, because of your ability, because of your strength? Do you not realize it is he that holds us in the palm of his hands? 
Do you realize that while we were yet still sinners, that he died for us? Do you not realize that he goes before us? He places a table in the presence of our enemies. You are standing here today as a born again believer because your God fights your battles. That's why he says to work out your salvation. Can I share something with you really quick? In Philippians 2, and this is something I've been meditating on recently, it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice it doesn't say work for. It says work out your salvation. I'm not working for my salvation to earn it. I'm working out my salvation. And the connotation is miners that would work in the silver mines, they would dig out silver or try to dig out uh, uh, silver so that they could use it um, for future gain. In the same way, when Jesus saved me, the Holy Spirit came where? To live on the inside of me. And guess what he deposited on the inside of you? Adoption. You were adopted into God's royal family. You are justified, declared righteous, just as if you had never sinned. He is working out a process called sanctification where you become more like Christ. You also have provision at your disposal. You have a good position at your disposal. He knows the hairs that are on your head. He knows you're lying down and you're getting up. He's well acquainted with all of your griefs, all of your struggles. My steps are being ordered by the Lord. There are so many promises that I can't even begin to explain in this short span of time that have been deposited on the inside of you when you accepted Jesus. But if you would spend time in his word, you would begin to unwrap this gift for your thorough enjoyment. You haven't even tapped into what God has for you. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Last but not least, to live an unhindered life Our greatest weapon is understanding our steps are ordered by the Lord. Stand with me here in this place. I hope this word encouraged you. Because God's doing something in my life and I pray he's doing it in yours as well. The one thing we take away from Joseph's life, if you've never read the story, is his steps were ordered by the Lord. He feared the Lord. He spoke to his temptations and he recognized my steps are being ordered. As he started to look at the trials that God brought him through. You know, I was talking to somebody recently in a counseling session. And they were talking about some things that they went through. And they can recall hearing the voice of God not to do something in a certain situation. And like many of us, God gives us a free will, correct? We have the ability to choose. And sometimes we don't make the right choices. And I'll be the first to admit, I've been there. But what this person discovered in that moment, and it was a revelation to me, even though I may have fears about the future because of what's happened to me, I can still trace God's hand. I can still see, even though I didn't listen, even though I didn't do what he told me to do, I know that he was trying. He was trying to nudge me. He was trying to push me in this direction. And now I see it clearly. And I may not have been willing to make the decision to follow through on what he told me to do. But today, the devil is a liar. I'm going to do what he says. Because I trust him. And because I know that he has my best interest at heart. I know that he's taken me from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Is that your testimony? I've made some mistakes. I haven't always listened to you, God. But now I see that you are a good, good father. I'm not going to blame you for the things that I chose not to do, but I'm going to come clean before you and say, you did try to warn me. You did try to talk to me and I ignored you, but no longer I want you and you alone. Is there somebody here you would say, Pastor Brandon, and I'm going to close. Pastor Brandon, I want to give my life to the Lord. The reason why I want to give my life to the Lord is because I sense his presence. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm willing to come clean before him and admit that I am a sinner in need of his grace. I realize that I have fallen short of God's righteous standard and I want 
to have the Lord with me more so than how he was with Joseph because we live in this new covenant. If that's you and you're ready to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, whether here or online, I want you to lift your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here you want to make him the Lord and Savior of your life before we close? Somebody over here, thank you for that hand. I see you. I see you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I see you. Anyone else, you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? I see you back there, brother. I see you. Anyone else you want to make? Come on, saints. This is what this is all about. We want people to come to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he is your father. And for some of us, the father we've never known. Hallelujah, Jesus. Anyone else you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Anyone else? Everyone, repeat this prayer after me. And here is the reason why we're praying. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, If you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So let's pray. Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your righteous standard. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins I ask you Jesus to come into my life to become my Lord I give up control I submit my life to you have your way save me I believe that you were buried and that you rose again have your way in me Lord In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for the Lord in this place. Amen. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you should have received a booklet and a card that we want you to fill out. Make sure to give us back that card because we want to reach out to you about discipleship and baptism opportunities. For everyone else, be safe on the roads. God bless you. Walk in the favor of the Lord and be all that he's called you to be. Amen. Love you guys.